Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. So this week, Kaylee, we go back to the world of Netflix. Hooray, we love Netflix. So nice and dark compared to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Just in keeping with the Netflix theme, it's another very dark and gritty series. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Luke Cage. Um, yes. Who we've met before in Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. He was that hunky bartender. He was. And he did her. Well and or, truly. Or did she do him? I think it was, I think it was reciprocal. <laughs> she's a very independent Marvel whore. No, I'm joking. She's a very independent woman and she was up for that. I don't feel like there was any kind of dominant submissive in that. I feel like it was very much equal basis. Yes, dom and dom. And you know what that is? That is fourth wave feminism. That's what it is. We love it. Yeah, I love to see that. It's nice that he came back. Were you excited to see more of Luke Cage? I was interested. I mean... Uh, in Jessica Jones, for me, he was probably the least interesting character I, in the series. Mm. However, my opinion of, of him did change with Luke Cage because I quite liked Luke Cage. This I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably not going to rave about it in the same way that, you know, uh, like the start of Jessica Jones season one episode. And we were both like, uh, no, sorry. Well, both of us were. But I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen ever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go that far, but I was entertained. Very good, because with S.H.I.E.L.D., you weren't. So. I was not, no. Or Agent Carter season two. <laughs> no, it's an upward curve. And I, I would like, I, I just think Luke Cage is a very interesting take on the on the superhero genre. Lots of people pointed out how interesting it is having a bulletproof black man as a, especially men, and sadly, especially now, it seems like it's still a very poignant imagery. So I think it's... Mm. It's an interesting one. He's kind of like Superman, is he not? He basically is. He's sort of the Marvel equivalent, isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't fly and he's not alien. So he's no. not quite the Marvel equivalent, I guess, but he, he's got similarities. Yeah. And you know what I found interesting is that I forgot how much this series, I when I watched it the first time, I really thought they were going to go down the whole, he was the same, same experiments as Captain America. Mm. Mm-hmm. and like because there were lots of parallels between him and the cat they didn't really lean into it as much as I thought they would that's interesting I also thought so his power essentially uh old Lukey is that he his skin is so strong that nothing can penetrate it he's not mm. just bulletproof he's basically bomb proof like yeah. you could throw an atom bomb at him and he'd probably be all right so so my question at the start of the series was well like how are we supposed to feel any kind of um uh, fear for him because he can't die <laughs> like in, in at least with daredevil like he's mortal he's pretty mortal and so and and i started quite morbidly thinking of ways to kill luke cage oh you're that guy 
I am that guy, yeah. <laughs> and I assumed at first I thought burning, but then I thought maybe if 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 like getting hit by like a bazooka doesn't hurt him, burning probably his skin probably won't burn. And then I thought drowning. But you know what? There is that um oh my god, the M night, I can never say his last name, Shyamalan. 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 Yeah. Um that movie, Unbreakable, which is a similar thing. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, that is the Luke Cage that no one really wanted. <laughs> no, no, I love the, that movie actually. But um, yeah, he was a sort of super power, kind of like Luke Cage. That he's unbreakable, but his big weakness was drowning. Mm. So you were right; that was his weakness. But poison would be a much more obvious one to go for, would it not? Oh yeah, well that's that's not so cinematic, is it? No, I should I should have thought of poison, shouldn't I? <laughs> cinematic it is because if you think about all those cool like oh evil apples with the skull dripping off it or the little bottle, I could be like tee hee. Here's a little poison bottle. We can make it look cinematic. I love how you, I, I immediately thought of Snow White. You went, teehee, and the old crone in Snow White goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's my version of her laugh. Uh, that's very much your version. Hee <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to poison him. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You know what, in the comic books, actually, um, I've, I've not read all of the Luke Cage ones, but in the Pulse series, which is when he and... Um, Jessica Jones are together and expecting a small child. Um, he he does end up in hospital because he's he's got internal bleeding, but obviously they can't operate on him because he is unbreakable. So it shows that there's flaws to this too. That is a massive flaw. And yet, what if he has sort of um, cancerous cells as well that mm. he's removing? If they can't if they can't penetrate the skin. What do they do? I guess they do, they do address that in the series, don't they? In that. Um, so uh, the the big baddie of the series, who is Diamondback, mm. uh, he has this gun that he can shoot at Luke Cage, and the bullets drill into him, which sounds like the most painful thing ever. Um, yeah. And then it sort of explodes in him. And obviously, Luke Cage being Luke Cage, that doesn't kill him outright. It sort of just puts him into a bit of suffering, basically. But they have okay. to get the stuff out of him. And to do that, they have to put him inside like acid to kind of break down the skin a bit in order to be able to penetrate it. So, yeah, he can't go under normal surgery. He could never have plastic surgery if he wanted a nose job or something. I was going to say he doesn't need it, but yeah, no, he, he never could. <laughs> you know, aging, aging sometimes, if he gets older, he might want to want to change himself up a little bit. So, yeah, I did like him. I was engaged with him. I like that he was just sort of all good there was no kind of question of it he was just kind of level-headed okay he may, sometimes makes like not the best decision in the world but he's always he's like the character who's like no we're going to take the slightly more you know piece practical route here whereas usually it's a sidekick who does mm -hmm. that like daredevil has karen and jessica jones has trish um, whereas Luke Cage has Luke Cage to, to have that voice within him. And that's kind of nice that he's sort of a, a, like a gentle giant, even though he can throw someone about 10 feet in the air. Yeah, he's very morally grounded. He doesn't even swear, which is, mm. again, interesting, because in the comic books, he swears like a, I was about to say, like a, like a you know, like a bad person would swear. Like a sailor. <laughs> yeah, like a sailor. Thank you, I was about to say. <laughs> so, oh no how do i finish this last phrase and um, his big catchphrase in the comic books is like holy christmas that's too cheesy i'm glad they got rid of that yeah i think they did mention it didn't they do it once in the series because i remember going oh he said it oh I, I some comic that. books where he swears 
like uh, like a sailor wink and there's some where he does not swear at all and says things like you flippy flabby <laughs> what's it and he doesn't he he doesn't like the use of the n-word even when like a black person uses it to say like mates or dude or something he still he doesn't like it he doesn't like being referred to as that and towards yeah him. well that was interesting too because i think the creators said they you know they'd been trusted to use that word but they wanted to make it so it wasn't just acceptable for everyone to say it which i think you know that some people don't want to because it's such an inflammatory mm. term and some people want to reclaim it i guess and make it their own so yeah and there are very different perspectives on that and um mm. I guess as white people, we don't really know what it would be like to um, to have a word like that um, no. in our lives, where there would be different perspectives. So I guess, yeah, it's. But it's, I do know that Quentin Tarantino used that word a lot in his movies. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we do know that there are very problematic filmmakers out there who might use it quite liberally. <laughs> yeah, so it was nice to have someone like like a mix, because I'm guessing not everyone has the same feelings around that. Yeah. Look at, the only the only in we have because obviously we don't really understand it would be in harry potter with voldemort and he just must not be named it's like some people say it and some people don't or the word mudblood yes yeah that too yeah yeah it's a it's a um for all for all harry potter's faults it is a good that is a good illustration of that i suppose (laughs) yeah because you can see how much it can hurt people and i don't think anyone in the books does claim it as like a no, they don't, they don't go into that side of things. I guess they're still in the phase of it's a horrible word, never say it. Yeah. Um, and I guess it takes a few steps more, a generation more to mm. start to say, actually, we're going to start saying it. We can, but you can't. Mm. Like, like a, a reclaiming kind of process. Yeah. I liked the female characters. Misty Knight and um, Night Nurse. <laughs> night Nurse. Night nurse. No, no, they no, no, call no. her Night Nurse in this. They called her Night they- Nurse at one point. Yes, they did. They, but they said it sarcastically. I love it. They're like, oh, here comes the night nurse. And I was like, yes, that's her name. <laughs> yeah, her name's Claire, isn't it? I always call her night nurse and it's Claire, yeah. Claire Temple. Yeah. So Claire Temple and Misty Knight, very cool characters. They are. I liked that Misty Knight especially, I thought was really well characterised because there's no moment where someone... Um, within the police force underestimates her. She's a police officer and she's kind of like Luke Cage's main, like one of his major allies in it. The male police officers talk to her like like someone of their own, including her partner who's corrupt within the police force. But even he has a kind of respect for her. Mm. Um, And there's no, because often with women in positions of power, like if a woman is a police officer or I don't know, a karate expert or something like that, there's usually a man who's like, hur, 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 this is gonna be easy, I could just beat her up. And then she kicks his ass. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe I underestimated women. <laughs> and, but they don't bother with that because it's, it's, um, it's now a little bit patronizing to be like, yeah. it's showing that she's a respected member of this group. She's a very cool character. You know, in the comic but she has a bionic arm Created by Robert, not Robert Downey Jr., by Tony Stark. That's kind of, I think, like she's introduced in the Luke Cage comics. So she is one of his comic, like, so is Claire Temple introduced in in these comic books. So it makes sense that they're both in it. But it was, did you, I know you thought Claire and Daredevil had like the most chemistry in the world. What did you think of her and Luke? I felt like they were more of a friendship. But even thinking about it, 
I think even her and Daredevil are more an alliance. I think she's just too, too, like, I think with love interest, you kind of assume them to be a bit more, especially in Marvel, like a little bit weaker and a little bit more of an, an, an coming in from an underfoot, I guess. But she is so much on their level slash above and calling out their shit that I think she is. Now having watched the three series and seeing how um, Carrie-Anne Moss turns up in Daredevil and, and how Luke Cage has been in Jessica Jones and then Trisha gets a sort of voice cameo in Luke Cage and stuff like that. Claire, there are various characters that are connecting up these Netflix series and Claire Temple's probably the main one because she mm. gets the, probably the most airtime out of all of them in the other series. Um, in this one, she, she's in this load. She's probably in this more than she's in the first two series of Daredevil. I yeah, would... no, she's kind of like a main character in this, I'd say. Yeah, it's quite interesting as well because Daredevil's obviously Daredevil season two is happening at the same time, isn't it? Because so, um, you know, when she picked that like, he goes to the hospital in Daredevil, that is yeah. just after one of the episodes of Luke Cage. Like they, there's crossover there. Ah, oh, I see. Okay, so it's all happening concurrently. Yeah. Oh. And she does say at the end when he he gets arrested, she's like, "I know a good lawyer," and I was like, "Is it? Is it Daredevil? Because if so, <laughs> he's not that great a lawyer, but he's all right." No, I mean he completely abandoned them in the second series and was like, "I'm going to fight with Electra and fight the hand." When there's like a whole court case, he's got his work to think about. He doesn't. Yeah, no, I was like, I hope she doesn't mean him. I hope she means like Foggy or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Or Carrie Ann Moss, she'd be better. Yeah, literally anyone. It can't be Daredevil. <laughs> exactly. And she does come into this series having left the hospital after, and she kind of goes into what happens in series series two of Daredevil, where um she basically uh the, the the whole thing with the hand happens in the hospital, and then um she's all like there's corruption in this and they're like there is no corruption but please sign this form saying that there is no corruption uh, and she's like i cannot sign this i'm leaving because she's she's pious but she's not too pious she's not captain america pious she's like good pious <laughs> your favorite level there is a sliding scale and she has not slid too far <laughs> no, there's, no there's just two two levels <laughs> captain america pious and pious <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like semi-pious like just something underneath where you're like a little bit pious but not too much he is obviously he's fighting his battles but his his by the end of it his allies are two women who work together mm. with him and i think that's quite different because very often it's like there's like one woman especially mm -hmm. in the films it's just with like one woman and a team of men yeah <laughs> and maybe there's a second woman but she's probably a villain or just not quite as good and she'll die and she'll die or she'll serve a very, very rudimentary purpose. Whereas here you've got two women who are pretty much equal in terms of their purpose level. And yeah. I, I just really liked that dynamic. I thought that was something really new. Um, mm. And it shouldn't be new, it should be in everything, but um, this, it was new here. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like when they both turned up after he'd been shot, you were like, okay, it's gonna be okay. Because Misty and Claire are here and they're gonna sit. Like, it's, it's dire times but these two are going to get you out of this mess with misty though i didn't know whether because i got the impression that she didn't have superpowers maybe in the comic book she did and i thought her superpower was like seeing things because mm. when whenever she was visualized it, only she had this she would visualize a crime scene and it would kind of like 
do this surreal dreamlike effect where it would have the crime scene being acted out, but she was there kind of watching it and working things out. And I wondered whether that was a superpower that she has in the comic books where she can like touch something and see what happened to it or something like that. But evidently not. She just has a bionic arm. <laughs> um, she's got <laughs> she's got a few things going on. I was just getting her list up so I could tell you what she's got in the comic books and you could see what you thought. So she's a highly skilled at martial arts because they always are, aren't they? Um, hand, proficient at hand-to-hand combat, near-perfect aim um, by her bionic right arm. She's got superhuman strength, technopathy. What's that? You see, that was what I was going to ask you, because I don't know <laughs> what technopathy means. So you don't know, basically. <laughs> I don't think that she can see things like you're saying, but I was just wondering what technopathy was, because I was like, hmm. Technopath, like reading. Technology. I'm assuming it's like you can control technology, because she's con- in the comics, she does sometimes like, you know, c- touch tech stuff, like computers and things, and she can kind of control it. So I don't yes. think it's... I think that's what it's so here it says it's called a brain computer interface um it's a direct communication pathway between an enhanced or wired brain and an external device i kind of like that they would have adapted it anyway she that would explain why she's such a great police officer she's got this ability to just sort of go i'm gonna see it like this yeah and um and the way she they always have like a I don't know if they do this in police stations but you know when there's a crime and they have a big wall covered in things and there's always threads Oh yeah, I love the threads. I never understand what it means, but I like it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I to, to my mind, I'm like you cannot possibly do that. That makes no sense whatsoever. You must have it all on like some computer database. But anyway, she always looks at it, and then the the background kind of fades away to reveal the crime scene, and then she's kind of seeing it and piecing it together. And maybe that's the techno, like you say, the techno technopathy, technopathy being interpreted into her role. Yeah, because obviously they've made some changes to the characters for reasons we'll go into later. Um, And that would make sense to me. Like, it's nice to have something that feels quite fresh and relevant, I guess. Because if you think about it, a lot of these superhero comics were written a very long time ago and their superpowers might not be all that now. It doesn't feel very... And I kind of like the idea that there's subtle powers that would just make people more adept at their jobs. Yeah. And yeah, that's true, actually. Like, when was Luke Cage created? Like, the 70s? 60s? I'm so guessing it was originally like black exploitation, wasn't it? This is why I'm guessing the 70s is that that was when there was a sort of big wave of um, uh, black driven um, me- media and art mm-hmm. up in the 70s because sort of post um, civil rights movement. And um, and I'm guessing that if if Misty Knight has technopathy slash technopathy, however you want to say it, in those comic books, it, it must be kind of like. I, t- I touched a, a radio. <gasps> I can see who's talking on the radio. This yeah. radio transmitter, this high-tech radio transmitter, whereas now we're like, we've got Zoom. Yeah, we don't, we don't need that power. That's fine. <laughs> we've um, all got technopathy. <laughs> look at me go. I can see you right now, Paul. What did you think of, like, his relationship with the police? I do know they did touch on the, the theme of, like, police brutality towards Black people. But it was interesting they didn't go into it as like the main theme. And I wonder if that's because maybe they were thinking maybe we're going to write because, so, you know, this, the, the cast is predominantly black. I assume many of the writers and directors were black as well. Mm. And um, they were maybe thinking like we're actually going to show there's more to black people than just being brutalized by police and being brutalized by racism. Actually, you know, yeah. there is a whole culture here. 
Well, it's just in the comics, so he's a hero for hire, which he jokes in the show that he's not at one point. He's like, mm. you know, I'm not, I'm not getting paid for this. I can't remember what he says. He makes a little, he makes a little crack. So in the, I don't know, in the comics, it's more of a, a vigilante, I don't know, it's a different kind of vibe. Whereas in this, it feels like he really, he really wants to almost work with the police. Yes, he does. And again, that's going back to the fact that he's sort of the practical level-headed one. Yeah. Like, We're going to do the decent thing here. Hmm. Um, and that's which I, what I kind of liked about him. Yeah, I guess he, he is, yeah, he's a different kind of vigilante because if you compare him to Daredevil, who I guess is the other sort of male one in the net. Yeah universe um daredevil you know he no one knows who he is he is very literally a masked vigilante mm. he kind of turns up rocks the boat disappears and no one knows who did it or what whereas i liked in this they deal very much with the fact that the whole community of harlem knows who luke cage is and that he's someone that they start to call upon he's like their own personal police officer and i guess that must be something that like must resonate a lot because rather than rely on the police who they potentially cannot trust mm. they've actually got this big hulking bulletproof black guy who can protect them as their own personal bodyguards yeah definitely i also did find it really sad that at the end the police even though they know that luke cage is a good guy the context shows you that he's a good guy they know he's not you know a bad guy i'm using air quotes in my mind they turn up with those judas drilly bullets and yeah it just feels very like oh <laughs> you're you're those guys you're you're not nice it's that very yeah it's a very tricky situation and their final fight between luke cage and diamondback and um it has the whole sort of community of harlem surrounding them mm. um, and uh and they're cheering him on uh in a it's almost like a sort of just a it, it is just a little fight in the street but it's the it's the culmination of the whole series and yet, and the police are there, but they they still want to arrest Luke Cage. They still sort of want him, but they do kind of deal with the fact that they have the police have been given evidence to suggest that Luke Cage is guilty of murder. And so, I guess they do maybe are trying to touch on the fact that maybe some police officers are trying to follow a procedure. Yeah, some and some and potent and even the prison guards that Luke Cage was subjected to when he was in prison mm. are really just racist. Um, yeah just do not treat the community in the way they should the way they would treat say the wealthier white community in new york city so um luke cage is sort of lying low at the start mm -hmm. of it and you find out that he's been to prison he used to be a police officer himself before yeah as well um he went to prison i can't why did he go to prison again i can't remember this is the thing i can't remember why he went to prison <laughs> i was like it felt very like I stole a loaf of bread, like Lamez vibes. <laughs> you know, I don't think he did anything that bad, did he? I, so he goes to prison, and when he goes to prison, he's not superhuman, but he does kind of end up at the focus. Like, there just happens to be some kind of mad scientist in the prison who experiments on him and then the experiment goes wrong and that gives him the super strength and the superhuman skin mm. but he's now lying low because obviously we've seen the death of his wife in jessica jones yes the of kilgrave um and he's kind of working as a cleaner in a barber shop but he becomes embroiled in gang warfare when it's Cottonmouth, played by mahershala ali who's like a sort of head of gangs and an owner of a club and got political connections as well. Cottonmouth I thought was a really good character as well. You can always 
rely on the Herschler Ali. Um, I was going to say, I just Googled because I was like, I can't believe you remember what crime he committed is because it's for a crime he did not commit. <laughs> so, oh, that's why then. That's why? completely understandable. Because we were like, well, we know he's good. Why is he in prison? It's a mistake. He shouldn't be there. <laughs> um, on top of that, I mentioned Cosmelf has political connections and his political connections are to his cousin, Mariah, mm. Alfred Woodard, who is sort of running to be like a sort of, it's, I guess she's kind of like a local councillor for Harlem. Yeah. Love her character. I loved her. And the moment she walked on, I was like, this is one of the greatest actresses of our time. <laughs> I love her. And Very she is so good. And she, I love how one of the first times you meet her character, she's doing this big speech at a sort of, um, a sort of clean local community cleanup and she's meeting all these young people being like, oh, nice to meet you. Oh, hi, you, da, 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 da. like the, I'm so nice. She like shakes someone's hand. She turns around and this bodyguard comes over and just immediately squeezes hand sanitizer on her hand. She's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so, like, yes, I'm here for her. <laughs> it's so COVID appropriate, to be honest. She's, she knows, she knows but, what she's doing. This was pre-pandemic. So at the time that's insulting, but now it's, it's responsible. I know. I was like, well, when I watched it before, I thought you were not cool for that, but now I'm like smart lady. <laughs> exactly. Um, and she is basically, her whole political campaign is being funded by Cottonmouth. Mm. Um, and she's kind of like, she, she wants her career to go forwards, but then she's very, very wary of how far this goes. And it kind of, when she discovers that Cosmelf is connected to sort of murder and gang killings and things like that, then that's where she kind of draws the line. However, <laughs> she does eventually kill Cottonmouth, <laughs> <laughs> which was yeah. the scene of the whole series. I love that. But I thought it was, it was so cool that they did that, that they set up Cottonmouth as this main villain and they had such a big actor playing him mm. and then they killed him off. It was like what Hitchcock did with the shower scene in Psycho in that he's like, here's your main character. Oh, no, they're dead. <laughs> Surprise. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of those characters that where you like, I think this is what, what Netflix does so well. You can understand their motives and it feels like they're sometimes not necessarily in her murdering case, but they're, they're doing the right thing. Well, they're trying to do the right thing in their head and they don't realise that they're actually doing the wrong. Yeah, and you do get a sense that both of them are a bit screwed up by the family they've been in. Mm. Because it, it goes into his background and how he never wanted to be a part of this. He just wanted to play piano and she just wanted to be a lawyer and a politician or whatever. But they had this grandmother who's an absolute tyrant and it's like, you are going to kill people. You are going to be a part of this or else. So they kind of got forced into it. And I guess it kind of deals with how gangs come about and it's it's basically a form of radicalization in that it's kind of telling you that everyone's out to get you so you need to have a gun you need mm. to be willing to murder at, a, at the drop of a hat and that's the only way that you can possibly survive which is a lie like you don't have to you, the only reason you have to survive like that is because someone's telling you to survive like that so it does emphasize the fact that he especially is a victim she not so much i feel like she had it in her even when she's at that table with her grandmother doing her law essays i was like I feel like you could murder someone then. <laughs> yeah, if they crossed her, maybe. But I, I don't know. I I kind of was like on her side for some quite some of this quite a lot. Like I definitely thought she was well within her rights to kill him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was horrible to her, and he kept he kept being like, "I'm just going to fund your political campaign, but also going to murder someone involved in it." 
And she's like, really? no, please don't do that. I really don't want you to do that. And he's like, okay, I won't do it, but I'm gonna. <laughs> and I guess what's interesting is like, they both had such different, like different backgrounds. Like, so he, you know, it sort of shows that you, it's not about, I don't know, that like he's, you kind of feel like he's had the perfect upbringing to become a gangster. She's had the perfect upbringing to become a politician, like a very peaceful person, but that's not the case. So I, I, it was interesting because it wasn't a, I don't know. It was. It was sort of like that's not how people are made. And yeah, and also she kind of after Cottonmouth's death because she constantly has to hide the fact that she killed him. They basically try and frame Luke Cage for it. Mm. Um, but because there's so many kind of layers of lies in there, um, as it starts to unravel, her political credibility just goes absolutely down the drain. So yeah. by the end of it, she's like, well, I'm going to have to be a villain, aren't I? I'm going to have to be a supervillain. I don't have any powers, but I'm going to have to be a supervillain. I kind of want to show you a picture of what she looked like in the comics, just to show you how different she is in the show. Mm. And can you see this? Oh, my God. Yeah, she she's very different in the comics to how she is. Like, not even just in terms of looks, like, terms of motive and what drives her and what her background is so I again it was another thing like Misty Knight where they they tweaked it and made it more relevant to modern day audiences the, the picture I saw there was more like she was in a uh, a sort of sports uh jumpsuit thing yeah like a tracksuit type thing and lots lots of jewelry and she was she was a lot bigger in terms of her weight as well yeah um and on top of that uh, we got another villain Diamondback who is um I, I felt like he wasn't introduced very well in this. It was like he just kind of turned up and shot Luke Cage. And I was like, oh, okay, hello, who's this? Um, <laughs> and it's kind of what happened, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but the thing is they'd been they'd mentioned Diamondback several times in the opening episodes. And there was a certain element of who is this Diamondback? Like they they set him up as this kind of mysterious figure, a bit like Wilson Fisk, who's kind mm. of in the background and even, even someone as powerful as Cottonmouth is um, quite scared of him and doesn't really want to deal with him too much. But when he turns up, there isn't like a, you know, a show of fireworks or a, I don't know, like a Scooby-Doo kind of reveal or anything like that. He just kind of like runs in, shoots him and runs off again. <laughs> and like, and then they, they're not even like, that's Diamondback. They just kind of drop in that it's him. And I was like, oh, okay, this is him now. I see. Yeah. Well, he's quite, um, I almost think because they don't introduce him properly like the others it means that you're not on his that you can't see things from his point of view like you know with Mariah you go I can kind of see it I can kind of see what you're saying whereas this you're just like oh you're just a you're just a big bad person bad yeah person. a big bad wolf <laughs> yeah big bad wolf quality like we know you're the baddie well yeah. that's it because as as he got more and more introduced it it got fully established that he's it's tremendously unpredictable like there's that scene where they're having like a meeting of gangsters I guess and one of them sort of points out that the way they're going about some about this whole thing is wrong. And he literally just shoots him right there on this really nice sofa. Um, and it and in front of everyone. And they're they're all just kind of frozen and they have to just go off and do what he says. Um, like he could he'll just he's one of those villains who would just kill someone at the drop of a hat, whereas mm. Cottonmouth is more of a more calculating and Mariah is much more calculating. That's why Mariah doesn't like Diamondback either, and that she starts sort of working against him and sort of working with Luke, but not really working with Luke, just trying to like get a get a street cred up again. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a what's it when um is it not a live a live wire, I guess? He's a live wire. 
Yeah, I guess that, that makes him sound cheeky, <laughs> like a little yeah. troublemaker in school. There's Judas bullets, though, pretty dark and twisted. They are. They just seem really painful. <laughs> I, I was like, I wouldn't want to be shot with that, and I don't even have unbreakable skin. Well, I think it would be better for us with un- with breakable skin because we just explode. <laughs> we just die. <laughs> Whereas Luke Cage is just in constant suffering until they some- find a way to get it out of his mm. body. So we're talking about um, a series that is one of the very, very few uh, superheroes that is a person of colour and specifically <laughs> a black person. What was the reaction from like black critics, black audiences and stuff? Did they feel it was a good representation, a good sort of, you know, we, we still live in a world that's sort of white predominantly on television mm-hmm. and in the arts. Um, and we're trying to work towards more diversity. Did they feel that it was a good step or not much of a step or a backward step? On the whole, I think it was very positively received, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll go into some of it in the, the quiz because I don't want to... Um, mm. Don't you know, give away the Rotten Tomatoes. No, I won't give away the Rotten Tomatoes. But stuff like, 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 there's not many series that have given like that much room to black women that like you mentioned. It's cool, like women in general, but black women specifically in this season, people were really positive. They received that very well. They were like, "This is amazing. We need more of this," which we do. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think like, they've adapted it really well. People thought it was really nicely done. It was nice to have a real, like you say, a, a good moral black character but the main complaints which I'm sure you're going to be able to guess can you imagine that there weren't enough white people yes of course it was people oh. were thinking it was racist because there weren't many white people in it but they wouldn't complain if a show had all white people and no black people in no where were they when friends was made <laughs> it was yeah. apparently fine but this is a big problem so there was like twitter backlash because they were like I mean, where's the diversity? Does diversity mean no white people? Is one quote from a person on Twitter. Um, my review of Marvel's Luke Cage. Meh, it's okay. Not enough white people. I'm like, are you being facetious? I can't believe. Um, that doesn't, that sounds to me like so- someone being super sarcastic. It does. <laughs> to the point where you're not sure if they are. <laughs> That's the thing. And obviously people who love the show were like, well, congratulations. Now you know how we feel because this is, I don't know, like the, the creator was like, oh, you know, we <laughs> we throw people into the deep, what did he say? We throw viewers into the deep end of the pool of black culture, but don't thrash, relax, you'll float if you allow it. Oh, I like so, that. Yeah, stop being, I don't know. I think people have such an idea of what they want. And it's like, well, you're obviously not gonna like this based on your awful narrow-mindedness. So why did you even tune in in the first place? Yeah, why why did you bother? Why didn't you just leave it alone and let people, in, uh, like decent people, enjoy it for what it is? Exactly. I assume it's going to be like, we haven't got to Captain Marvel yet. It was a similar thing. Lots of men did not like Captain Marvel mm. and they didn't watch it and they flooded loads of review sites with negative reviews and they tweeted lots of awful things about it. And I'm imagining it's the same thing. I, I bet half these people didn't even watch Luke Cage. The yeah. They probably like heard something from a racist relative or friend or something like that, didn't they? Yeah, also an inflammatory post on social media and then decided they'd seen the whole thing based on that. Uh, leading on from that, it's quite, I, I, I we talked about how in um, uh, Jessica Jones, uh, oh no, in Daredevil and Jessica Jones, it's all very localized. It's not mm. sort of the whole of New York, it's a localized area. And um, Daredevil is Hell's Kitchen, 
Jessica Jones is Hell's Kitchen as well, isn't it? Yeah, they're both Hell's Kitchen. They're both Hell's Kitchen. And then this is Harlem, which again mm. is, is a section of New York. And it's one that's very well known for um, black culture. Uh, and do you know what's quite fun is, um, obviously Hell's Kitchen was very close to the incident in New York when all the um, the Avengers were there. This one, they're a bit further away and there's people selling like those bootlegged videos of the incident, like, yeah, hey, you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's quite cool because I bet that probably would happen. <laughs> it's like a whole... Like again, it's going back to how um, that it, it, when we when we looked at how Hell's Kitchen was localized, we got the impression that the the sort of community of Hell's Kitchen was within Hell's Kitchen and kept themselves within it, but were still connected to the outside world. In this, I got the impression that the Harlem community feels quite detached from anything outside of Harlem, even if it's in New York. Mm. And I think I got that from their in the people, the sort of. The, the character's immediate connection to Luke Cage as a vigilante for them um, mm. on their behalf in that they feel like they're a bit estranged. I guess also those other superheroes aren't really bothered about places like they're much bigger they're much focused on the, the bigger global issues. The Avengers are worried about the invasion of the Chitari aliens. That's yeah. Oh, Paul, you said to die. I'm so proud. Look how far you've come during this. I'm podcast. learning. I'm learning. I'm <laughs> now like I'm now like platinum level. Yeah. Well. Wow. Well. <laughs> okay, silver. Fine, silver. Yeah, silver, yeah. Silver. <laughs> you've got to get through a bit more first. <laughs> At least five more series of um, Agents of Shield, otherwise. You know. <sighs> I'm not gaining anything from that. I'm just watching it because I said I would. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're so stubborn. <laughs> But yeah, it, and uh, I felt like they really went into, I, obviously I've never been to Harlem. I've been to New York City, but I haven't been to Harlem. And mm. I, like I said, I'm not black. So I don't, I don't know this culture quite as well as I should do. But um, I felt like they made a lot of effort to convey that culture uh, and the lifestyle that people lead here in quite in a very balanced way. Because often it's depicted as just like crime. And nothing at crime and gangsters and not much else Whereas here is much more yeah and here is much more multifaceted um, mm. and i think i did that they did that a lot through the music in there i loved the music i was and gonna actually about the music mm, and i thought i liked how um there were several episodes where they had like a um a musician showcasing their music in the club and i think that captured a different world to that of Daredevil and Jessica Jones so gave Luke Cage a different as a series a very different voice yeah I know they definitely did really want it to feel very different they didn't want to feel like a noir which is very much what Jessica Jones was doesn't feel like what genre would you say Daredevil was just crime (laughs) (laughs) would you say crime (laughs) crime gangsters it's like it's like crime crime gangster with a touch of supernatural yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so um mike coulter who obviously is is luke cage said that he's he described it as having like soul and intensity compared to like the dark action of the other two of daredevil and the noir of jessica jones and the creator said he wanted it to be a powerful fusion of dark drama hip-hop and classic superhero action while being the wire of marvel television because they deal with so many issues and they also called it a hip hop western, which was quite a cool phrase. I know what you mean. Like the music was a real big deal. So I don't know if you noticed, but every episode is named after a song. Oh, <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah. like um, Grey's Anatomy. 
Like crazy, yeah, like crazy anatomy. I would never have paired these two together. Um, <laughs> but they wanted it to feel like, you know those albums, like old days, where you'd listen to the whole album from cover to cover? Mm, yeah. You wouldn't just pick, like, obviously now we've got Spotify, you're like, I just want this one song. But you bought, you bought the CD. Yes. You put it into the CD player and you played the whole thing, yeah. That's pretty much what it, so he, the, the greatest that he really wanted to feel like that, like, you know, every part is, is vital and it, he wanted the music to be as big a big deal like the, the soundtrack was released as an album and you know the music was really highly praised so mm. I think that it gives it a real it gives it its real own voice I'd say music I'm... yeah and the people who made the um the score which you you've said mm. you liked so they they said it was meant to be lots of genres in one which so they said hip-hop soul psychedelic rock and classical Mm. and they also said that they wanted to make sure it was something great not just for black people and minorities just something great that happens to be based on our culture I like that yeah I got, I got that sense even though I'm not familiar with the culture of Harlem um, mm. so I think that shows that they did it quite well in that I I felt like I I learned a lot about what life is like in Harlem as a place yeah um, and they filmed in Harlem they didn't mm. it's not one you know like those places where you're like well, yeah we filmed here but it's actually it's filmed in Belfast you like line of duty is like said the Midlands and it's actually filmed in Northern Ireland and Game Belfast. Of Thrones. Belfast yeah it is <laughs> but I'm just saying that they actually filmed in Harlem which is really cool we couldn't afford Harlem so we went to Belfast no you know what I mean I just mean that loads of the British TV shows are all filmed in Belfast and I don't know I think America normally they normally sit like New York or places and yeah, Greenwich yeah. Village the only thing that I think um makes me put it makes me not rave about it in the same way I did about Daredevil season two or Jessica Jones season one is that I felt like it needed more of a scare factor mm-hmm. to, to kind of to, to kind of make it fit in with the Netflix tone and maybe I'm maybe I'm nitpicking I probably am nitpicking because let's face it I do nitpick don't I you do but you love to pick it <laughs> But I felt like Netflix has set up their version of Marvel as um, being sometimes quite horrifying. Like the, the whole stuff with the hands in um, Daredevil is absolutely terrifying and disgusting. And then Kilgrave in Jessica Jones is like, sometimes I, I, sometimes I think about some of the things he does in that series. And I'm like, that's horrendous, like really, really awful. And Luke Cage didn't really have that. It, but then at the same time, I think they were going for something that was a little bit more grounded. Because um, I think it's interesting that the villains were not superhuman. Mm. In fact, I think, isn't Luke Cage the only one who's actually superhuman in the whole thing? I think he is. Yeah. So I think they were going for, it's just him and the, the normal community that we have. But I th- feel like I wanted to be a bit more frightened of the villains. Yeah, I mean, I guess... That's a good point. But I wonder if maybe the, the fear is meant to come from the fact that, like, you know, how easy it is for his character to be assassinated and mm. how easy it is for them to be like, he's a he needs to be locked up based yeah. on nothing. Like, how quickly you can be an upstanding member of the community and see everything torn away from you. So, like, your, your, your sort of, your, your standing in life, your welfare... Is, yeah it's on it's on a precipice at all times your reputation like I mean it could happen to any of us like someone could be like oh they 
they did this or they said this and you know but if you're if you're part of a group that's um not looked after properly by society <laughs> in general that risk is higher so yeah I, yeah i see what you're saying actually that they do address that that his livelihood could be just sort of zipped away from him mm. because he could just easily be framed for something but you know what i did love luke cage the first time i watched it but i found it hard re-watching it with with everything going on in the news i kind of was like someone's too dark right now i i would like something light <laughs> it is it yeah I, it's I been a it. horrible news cycle it was not the right time for me i'm like i just want to say fun now but i i do still think it's amazingly well done and i loved it when i first saw it and it's so nice having such a like i feel like netflix does such smart stuff with its superhero things it talks about real world issues and obviously we have like women's rights in jessica jones and abuse and you know assault and coercive control and in this we've got black lives matter movement is very heavily referenced and mm. i just think it's nice having something that, that does something different to what we normally get and even daredevil dissects the idea of um justice yes real justice is, is justice murdering the murderer or mm. rehabilitating them in order to improve society like what do you do and all the problems surrounding that yeah i see what you mean they are much more clever about it and we've seen how they've taken the characters that as they were in the 70s and twisted and altered them so that there's still that character but they've been they fit into the 21st century oh one last thing before we quiz oh. um, does does anyone ever mention or talk about the fact that um alfred woodard is I I think the first person that we've seen so far who plays two different characters within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because she is in Civil War. Yeah. And I thought when she first turned up in Luke Cage, it was the same character, but it's not. Um, I actually think there are a few who've been different. I'm going to look it up. I'm sure there's a few who've like played different characters. I wasn't sure if there was any kind of like fan theories about that because I, I was like that would be so cool if there was a connection between the Disney Marvel stuff and the Netflix Marvel stuff because at the moment they although they're part of the same universe it's still very much separate in terms of style and content and stuff like that but there is actually a list of 20 people who've played multiple people within the, the Marvel universe so in the MCU yeah oh okay pray tell so I uh, so we've got Woodard as you just said so she's in Nick Cage, and she's in Captain America: Civil War. Um, John Favreau was in. Well, I know he's in Iron Man. Oh, was he someone else? I know. I'm looking here. Like, who else are you? Oh, he's in Ben Affleck's Daredevil. I don't really count that as the. No, I want actual MCU, not like these knockoffs. Yeah. <laughs> who are you guys? Okay, well, here's five who played multiple in the MCU specifically. So I'm going to go for that. So Gemma Chan. So she was in Captain Marvel. Okay which you haven't seen yet we haven't she's, she's going to be in the Eternals and I remember that was a big deal actually when it was announced because everyone's like but she was in are you sure she was just in Captain Marvel <laughs> so she's going to be in both. so there's going to be a new Blade movie uh good friend Cottonmouth will be Blade <laughs> oh oh that's fun yeah so that's good that's more believable uh, because he died in Luke Cage I feel like he died it's like a reincarnation kind of thing yeah um, so Kenneth Choi was in Captain America, the first Avenger, and he also plays his own grandson in Spider-Man Homecoming, which yeah. you've yet to see. Um, Stan Lee obviously pops up in all of them. So that that's for now, but I will go through and I'll make a list for next time. 
Yes, please do. That's your homework. I'll do it. Shall we quiz it? Yes. <laughs> I'm worried that some of them might be um, possibly have been answered by myself during this. Sometimes I get a bit overexcited. <laughs> but that's how good you are, is that you weave answers seamlessly into the narrative. Yes, that's true. Okay. Number one. What is Luke Cage's name, codename, superhero codename in the comic books? Power Man. It's Power Man. Um, yeah. And he I think he does say it at one point. And um Claire's like, this isn't gonna stick. Yes, yes, they, yeah, he sort of says it jokingly, doesn't he? Just like that person is like, oh, here comes Night Nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's good because I feel like the names don't, I know, I know you always get frustrated because sometimes I'm like, oh, this is who they are. And you're like, but their name was never said. Um, yeah, but I all, they did, all they did was call them Sean. But why yeah. can't they be like the Destroyer? <laughs> <laughs> Iron Whips. They just, um, I think it doesn't really work necessarily if they if they did that you know do you know which hip-hop duo so i told you that the songs each episode is named after a song do you know who wrote those songs or who is the song i'm guessing one of them is biggie smalls because there's a big portrait of him in a lot of it no no it's still one it's gang star oh and I that's I d I'm so clueless with music. Well, I recognise Biggie Smalls, but I've never heard a Biggie Smalls song. <laughs> <laughs> I felt, to be fair, I felt like a fraud saying Gangstar, but yes, <laughs> that's where it's all from. And I have listened to the music and it's good. But they, they only did the episode titles because they didn't want people to um, look into the lyrics and try and... Overanalyze. Yeah, like I've done that before, personally, with so many shows I've overanalyzed. I that's the that's the English literature student in you though isn't it it's like, oh they used they used an adjective here what does that mean I don't well you know I told you my whole I came up with my own theory for Game of Thrones and I assumed it was better than what they came up with because they kept saying it's about climate change and I was like oh they're all gonna realize that they all they all have to leave Westeros and go into the go into the the other place and they'll all lose the kingdom and it will be taken over by snow yeah, they realise the real White Walkers are inside them. Right? Uh, I had it all written. I wrote it and I was like, this is better than what they did. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> Luke Cage originally wears a yellow hoodie. Oh, no, he wears a yellow costume. So he was going to wear a yellow hoodie in the show. Mm -hmm. But they changed it to a dark one. And do you want to know, do you know why? I don't know why. Okay. I, did they, were they worried he'd look a bit like Uma Thurman in Kill Bill? That was the main concern. No. <laughs> um, they, they were trying to pay homage to Trayvon Martin, who was shot. Um, he was shot. He was wearing a dark hoodie, mm. and he was shot for looking suspicious, basically. So, right. Um, and they wanted to nod to that, so they wanted to look at the fact that, like, when you're a black man in a hoodie, all of a sudden you're a criminal, and it's something they shouldn't have to deal with, but they do. So this yeah. is Coulter, Coulter's quote. He's like, it's a double standard. We can't cover our head when it's cold and raining because God forbid someone sees us and put our life in danger. So we want to pay homage to that. It's not something we were shying away from. I like yeah. that. That's really awesome. And do you know, do you remember <laughs> why he and Jessica Jones aren't together anymore? <laughs> Doesn't, isn't, aren't they miffed at each other that like Kilgrave took control of him or something? <laughs> I, it's, it's difficult when your ex gets involved, isn't it? <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> so he's miffed. I like your word. He's more miffed because um, she murdered his, you know, Reaver. Oh he, yeah, oh yeah, his wife. Murdered <laughs> Reaver. <laughs> um, that that is a bigger. That's a bigger issue. I <laughs> must have yeah, under the influence of Kilgrave, and it's interesting because in the comic books, that's not a thing. Like they they sleep together and they work together and they become friends and then eventually they fall in love. She's actually dating um, Ant-Man's Scott Lang and then um, realises she's pregnant with Luke Cage's baby. Ooh, that's a mixture. I know. And Scott Lang's like, she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. He's like, oh, and she's like, it's not yours. And he's like, cool, goodbye. And he just leaves. I'm like, Scott, you're the worst. You're the worst in these comics. Wow. That's not very cool of you. I did kind of think that Luke Cage needs to probably be a bit kinder to Jessica Jones here because he knows full well that she was not, she couldn't had no control over her actions in terms of his wife's death. I know, but I guess it would be a hard thing to overcome, wouldn't it? I don't know. I've, I've not been in that position. <laughs> so I, don't know. I haven't either, but I'm thinking about it. I guess it's hard, isn't it? it also, when she describes it, she says like, you know, he, she doesn't know which thoughts were hers and it's a tough one what would you give it out out of 100 percent on rotten tomatoes i'd give it a good solid 85 to 90 i think mm-hmm. what did the people give it the people give it 92 nice nice right That's good um did you spot stan lee no i didn't actually i was thinking about this before we started recording i was like actually i don't think i, I saw stan lee Hmm. Yeah, well, so I don't know if you recall that in the last two Netflix series, he appeared in picture form. Yes, yes. So, again, that's what happened. I've got a little picture, but I don't think you'll be able to see it from this far away. Mm. But let's see. He's he's in a little... Oh, yeah. See, a crime reported because he's always a police officer in the Netflix series. Oh, our fun. Yeah, that's his vibe. He's a little cop. I guess it's hard to give him a proper, like, spoken cameo in the Netflix series because it kind of defeats the tone a bit. Whereas the the Disney stuff is a bit more tongue-in-cheek sometimes. So he can come in and, like, crack a joke about something. Yeah, it would feel weird, I think. I, I mean, it's nice that they've got a little nod to him. Also, he's probably quite, he was probably quite busy at the time. I know he's not at the moment. But I know I just imagine he was quite a busy man. It's hard for him to in the Netflix series Luke Cage and Diamondback are half brothers. Mm-hmm. So what do you reckon the case is in the comic books? Oh, um are they full brothers? No, they are. <laughs> I like that. Four brothers. No, they're childhood best friends and crime partners. And then arch enemies. I like that. They reference a specific film from the 1970s. A fair bit. Uh, I can't remember. The Godfather. Oh. Yeah. Relevant in a way. Yeah. Um, and then so Diamondback explains his how his new weapons are able to damage Luke. He says they're a product of what? Where did he get them from? Uh, the incident. Yes, it was. It was the remains of all the alien weaponry that was left behind. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense, really. A little, a little shop of get your alien stationery. 
<laughs> yeah, I imagine this is going to be a problem. They should maybe have cleaned up quicker to stuff it'll, everyone doing. It'll that. be a shop like Needful Things. Oh my god, it will. Um, and then finally, there's a um, Claire picks up an ad for something at the end of the season one finale for a martial arts place because she wants to learn self-defense which she should really based on everything that's happened i'm surprised I she mean, I, but she's taken her sweet time about it considering she really has. Yeah. <laughs> um but the, this class is taught by colleen wing which foreshadows iron fist oh so claire is obviously going to be involved with, i feel like she's the link between all these series so she, she's the constant isn't she, she is mm. they should call her Claire Constant. Claire Constant. I was, I was like, Constant. That's Const- not a name. Constant Const- is a name, right? Constance. Constant Nurse. Yes. Yes. That's what they should have done. Guess what? That's yeah. the end of the quiz. You've passed. Yay. You I did go on it. To the next level. Hurrah. <laughs> okay. Well, that was Luke Cage. And I look forward to the second series of Luke Cage very much, Lee. Well, the next thing we're going to watch, we get a film. Yeah. <laughs> Please less, tell me there's more than one film coming up. Less things to watch. Um, not in a row, but there are several films coming up, but mm. not not um consecutively. But this is Doctor Strange. Mm. And I'm going into this one very blind. I don't know anything about Doctor Strange, other than he's played by Benedict Cucumber Patch. Oh yes, that's him. He's a he's a strange man. I assumed that. And I assume he's also a doctor. Yes, <laughs> he is. <laughs> you will see this. Rachel McAdams is in it, if you care for Rachel. <gasps> I do not only care for her, I worship Rachel McAdams. She's fab. She is in it, and you'll be happy to see her then. Awesome. Also, I look forward to seeing it and discussing it with you. Yay! Bum, bum, bum. You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Version. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Version. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact filled episode. <laughs>